welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And it is just a couple days before uh, Halloween here. Well, I guess a week off, but to me, that means that this is the time of year where you need to pack in all of your uh, Halloween horror madness. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff happening. I'm actually going down to the Boston area this weekend to uh, visit my good friend Scott Hickey. Uh, his Gristmill series, is, you may remember God of the Razor and other shows. Uh, he is doing a live show this year in Chelmsford, Mass. on Sunday the 25th, so I'll be checking that out. Um, I think in Boston, uh, Neil Marsh is doing his regular gig out on the West Coast. Sam Mowry is doing something. Patience Wyland is doing a piece some point next week. Uh, all the details for those things will be at radiodramarevival.com. Um, and of course, there will also be transcontinental terror happening this year again. Um, that is in the hands of Patience Wyland as well. You may recall, I uh, was the guest host for Radio Drama Revival a few weeks or months back. I, I don't know. My brain's a bit addled, but uh, she is fantastic. Uh, has and you know, emerging voice as you know, great leader in the audio drama space, um, and is pulling that together. So thank you, patience, for having the patience <laughs> to, uh, to to do all of this. Uh, really exciting times. I personally have been uh, rolling with my series, The Cleansed. Um, that is close to being wrapped up. Uh, Cleanse season two at thecleansed.com. Um, I'm going to resist uh, slapping you with promos until after Halloween because uh, there's a lot to pack into this episode as it is, but uh, there's a lot of awesome stuff about season two of The Cleansed. I'm really, really pleased with uh, how it's all come out and the, and the quality of sound design we've achieved. Um, thecleansed.com. Ah, you know, I, I can't resist. Uh, here, here's the one-minute promo. The fallen world has a new ruler, and he is not a gentle man. To resist us means to die. Please, Saul! No salt still! The only one who can stop him is John Prophet and his ragtag group of heroes. But in order to save the world, they must first trust each other. The fact is, we must act as a team. Well, then let's talk about shooting people. Luke? That's why Maria freaked out, isn't it? Before they may even face the humans in their way, our heroes must first confront the merciless hand of nature. Hold on to the damn paddle! There's water time in the canoe! Ride it out! We're coming up to the big rapid! There's a voice! Listen to season two of The Cleansed at thecleansed.com. Download the free podcast or pay for feature-length director's cut editions. Visit thecleansed.com or search iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud for The Cleansed. Apocalyptic adventure awaits at thecleansed.com. Give us the missile cord and we can all go home! Never, devil! Never! All right, that's the cleansed. Uh, and speaking of promos, uh, got another project, got a pitch. My good colleagues Matthew and Monique Boudreau of Oral Stage Studios are working on their own new production called A Prophet's Guide. Uh, they are working on fundraising for it right now. They're predict- uh, planning on doing a whole bunch of exciting stuff. I will let you tell you them tell you in their own words with this promo uh, what's about to happen, but they are looking for donations. Um, I'll put the links for that at radiodramarevival.com. If the following promo sounds awesome, then go support Matthew and Monique. Uh, Matthew did most of the sound design for The Cleansed, um, as well as uh, Monique helping out as well. Uh, we worked on projects together, including Intensive Care, and you've heard his work with the Dialed In series, um, as well as 1918 here on Radio Drama Revival. Here is the promo for their new show, Prophet's Guide. 
I'm Matthew Boudreau with Oral Stage Studios. I'm the writer and director of A Prophet's Guide. Oral Stage Studios is an independent audio production company from Buffalo, New York. We are the producers of 1918, Intensive Care, and Dialed In. A Prophet's Guide takes place in a society which is overrun with rituals and bureaucratic processes. As the story progresses, we discover that things aren't quite what they seem. As the characters' roles in the story transform to a real quest rather than a fabricated one, and we're met with a prophet-turned-hero allied with a villain-turned-mentor against a prophet-turned-villain in a quest to save their society from its own absurd facades. We have, for the most part, offered our productions for free using work on other productions to pay the bills. This time, we thought we'd reach out to you for help. Your contributions help us to pay our cast, crew, designers, as well as buying and maintaining any equipment and software, paying for studio time, rehearsal space, printing, and marketing materials. To donate, go to rockethub.com slash 32213. More Promo Central here in Radio Drum Revival. Um, we're going to move on now to our main feature, which is horror, of course. What else will we be playing this time of year here on Radio Drum Revival? Very, very excited to uh, play for you a uh, piece from Tales from Beyond the Pale, Season 2. Uh, Tales from Beyond the Pale is uh, one of the, the top new series i say new it's been out for two years now but uh it's just sort of emerging you know in 2011 and as uh kind of a quintessential modern audio horror anthology series um they have kind of the 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 the, the format that you may be slightly familiar with the announcer and the brand and the uh montage of, of creepy stuff um and they do a, a great job of collecting uh contemporary horror writers for film and fiction uh you know novelists and, and short story writers um as well as as great talent from tv and film to uh, tell the stories uh, to, to be the actors um season one was produced in studio um they got a really solid amount of press when it first came out you know had a wall street journal spot i was on uh, on point with tom ashbrook um you know the project was clearly well received and uh you know because it's you know good gory uh gritty horror um and they, they brought it back for a second season that uh premiered last year and they've uh, kindly let me play some of that content today uh, they also spent the time to, to, to speak with me um so what we're going to hear from today is the ram king uh now this is a show that i i I liked uh, just because it's not really horror in the conventional sense. It's uh, 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 about you know limited human understanding of humans among other humans, and there's a little bit of Dostoevsky in there as well as as well as the Grand Inquisition. I I, I find it really fun. It's a sort of dark horror fantasy thing, which you don't really hear have much in audio drama. Um, the, than many other fantastic shows, but this this one I I kind of really enjoyed. Uh, these were all done live before an audience. I learned now through my, through interviewing uh, Larry and Glenn that these were done live to audience one take. They they may have had a rehearsal as well, but uh, oftentimes they just they played it once. It was crazy. Uh, they really have done a ma- ma- marvelous job with them. Uh, this is the Ram King, uh, followed up by a interview with uh, Larry Fessenden and Glenn McQuaid, uh, creators of Beyond the Pale. Greetings, audiophiles. I'm glad you've decided to join us on this little journey. I hope you'll take a deep breath now, a deep breath, and just relax and listen with me. Because wherever you think you are, maybe you're settled in your favorite chair. Maybe you're somewhere high up taking in the view. Or maybe you're splurging on a nip and tuck. 
or maybe you've decided this isn't happening at all. It's just inside your head. Or perhaps you're sitting in a darkened theater wondering what exactly you've gotten yourself into. Well, look again, listener, for you are no longer where you thought you were. You have crossed over. You are now beyond the pale. Welcome, audiophiles, to the start of season two of Tales from Beyond the Pale. As is our wont here at Tales, we've decided to make life just a little bit more agonizing for ourselves this time round. So rather than cower in the bowels of the Tales HQ, we thought we'd come out of the dark and into the light, pull back the curtain, and share a few tricks of the trade. So come join our band of audio artisans, all back from season one, and let us build a world of make-believe to tickle your fancy and curdle your blood with a new crop of live tales. But remember, if it's too painful to see the illusion shattered, you can always close your eyes and listen. Now then, what better way to get the ball rolling than to jump right back in with a tale from our sick and depraved fiend, I mean friend, Joe Maggio. Joe has already offered us a twisted little ditty, Man on the Ledge, in last season's collection. And of course, there was Bitter Feast, Joe's film foray into culinary horror. But this is something different. Here we have a period drama, a cautionary tale, a fable for our times. Picture, if you will, a dew-dripping, smoke-wrapped mountainside in a corner of the earth a long time ago, far, far beyond the pale. Enter with me into Joe Maggio's Ram King. After play comes religion. That's what the Ram King said. Or at least that's what Mother said the Ram King said. The, the problem is he said so much and most of it doesn't make a lick of sense. He also said, love thy enemies. Really now, love my enemies? How on earth? I, I would not be long for this world were I to embrace my enemies, for they outnumber the stars in the sky. Or this one. He who would be first must first be last. Nonsense. I, I mean, the skull aches to even think about it. But think about it, I do. Day and night. Night and day. I'll crack its nuts someday as easily as Squirrel there cracks his eggcorns. Squirrel, listen up. Pay attention. I, I, I'm trying to teach you something. Someday this mountainside will be yours and you'll want to be well-versed in its upkeep. Mm, good man, good man. After plague comes religion. Now that I understand. After suffering, we want answers. Simple as that. Mother said that for answers, I must go to his holiness, Frederick the Wise. But for truth, well, truth is something different. 
Mother said, an answer is the hand that scratches an itch, but the truth is an itch that can never be scratched. Now that's something to think about. Ren, Finch, again with the fighting. God, stop your infernal racket, I'm trying to think. God, do as the Ram King commands and, 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 and love thy enemies. Easier said than done, I know, I know. Now let's see about this fire. Perfect. And the goat's milk? It's not quite hot enough. It, it must be so hot that it rises up from the pail, spills over into the fire. Fire purifies all. That was the Ram King's golden rule. Fire purifies all. Are you listening, Squirrel? Squirrel, do pay attention. There we go. Now, my little pet, it's your turn. <laughs> now, now, no, now I know. I know this is the part you like the least, but look. Look how I've polished the stick. It's as soft and as smooth as the lips of a kitten. And have I ever hurt you? Uh, it feels awful when your soup comes up. Believe me, I've felt it. You can't breathe. It feels like it'll never stop, but it does stop. And our lives depend on it. If, if I could trade places with you, I would, but I've tried, and the soup from my gut has no effect on the milk. The, the soup from Mother Goat's gut has no effect for reasons which I do not fully understand. It has to be your soup that turns the milk into a cheese so heavenly that the village housemaids swoon. So come now. Gentle, gentle. Oh, that's it, that's it. Right into the milk, good boy. Now, was that so awful? More wood for the fire. And now, we wait. Who's there? Show yourself! Don't hurt me. Who are you? I'm Gunn, son of Frederick the Wise. Well, Gunn, son of Frederick the Wise, what do you think you're doing snooping around my mountain, huh? I wasn't aware that it was your mountain. Well, it is. Says who? Says me! Lassa, son of the Ren King. The who? As if you've never heard of him. The pluck. Verily, I've not. Verily? Verily? Well, so you come from the educated class. I should have known by your fine boots, and yet you have never heard of the Ram King. Verily, I've not. Ten feet tall, with the head of a ram and body of a man? The beast you describe sounds vaguely familiar. Skin covered in blue flames that burn eternal but do not consume his flesh. Ring any bells? It... it does. But, but I know him by another name. What name is that? Oh, I dare not speak it. Superstitious, eh? Well, so much for your fine education. You know, you ought not to speak like that. And why not? Because... Because I'm a gentleman and you're nothing but an orphan peasant. Well, my little gentleman, I say it's high time someone taught you some manners. Hey, stay back. Don't you touch me. 
barely, I sit on you and your class. So it's true. What's true? The things that they say about you in the village. Oh, I have long suspected I might be the topic of such nightly dinner chatter. And what exactly do they say? That you're... That you're not right in the head. That you're odd. A goat herd and a cheesemaker with high ideas of himself. Is that all? No. No, the housemaids say that the reason you've got one green eye and one blue is because your mother bathes you in the river of Twony while it's swollen with you in her belly. And? They say that you're unclean. And from what I've seen here today, I know all of it to be true. Oh. And what have you seen exactly? You spoke to the squirrel. You spoke to the wren and the finch and... Go on. They spoke back to you. I see. <laughs> and any other earth-shattering goings-on to report? Yes. Yes, the, the worst of all, actually. Well, do go on. The suspense is killing me. That. Your infernal potion there. My potion? It's the most vile, ungodly, disgusting thing I've ever witnessed. You, you, you've been poisoning us with your wretched cheese, little by little. You believe that? I do. I see. What, what is it? <sighs> what, what's the matter? You, you, you've discovered my plan. And, 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 and now... now what's, what's happening? I... I... I must destroy you! God, may wonders never cease! Squirrel, did you hear that? The fool! I mean, here we stand, in the year of our Lord, 1366, 14 years since the end of the Great Plague, and still, uh, the stupidity, it simply boggles the mind. Hmm. After plague comes religion. After suffering, we want answers. For answers, we have Frederick the Wise, but for truth, the void. So many thoughts, so much confusion. How I wish you were here with me, Mother. I miss you so. But now, now it's time for sleep. Tomorrow is another day. cheese here, the finest, purest goat's milk cheese from Novgorod to the Empire of Timberlane. Give me two. Oh, I'll have two as well. Coming right up. Me first. And I want those two right there in the front. I like the look of those. Excellent choice, madam. Cheese as pure, white and fluffy as an angel's wing. Mm, for what you charge, it better be. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, my good ladies. Get your cheese here. Fresh goat's milk cheese. Five krona for one, nine krona for two. It seals the teeth and bones, adds luster to the hair. That's the one, Constable. Well, well, well. Little gun. Son of Frederick the Wise. I see you made it home safe and sound. Hellhounds nipping at your heels the entire way, no doubt. Constable, arrest him at once. Now, now, Master Gun, calm down. I demand that you arrest him this very instant. Arrest me? On what charge? The practice of black arts. Master <gasps> Gun, that is a very serious charge, a very serious charge indeed. Did you say black arts? Verily, I did. Indeed, the boy is odd. We've known that for years, but still, the black arts is another matter entirely. He claims to be the son of some half-man, half-beast with skin of flames. Look, he, he converses with the animals. I've seen it with my own eyes. And his cheese? What about the cheese? Tell them. What's Master Gun saying about the cheese? Tell them the secret behind your heavenly cheese. I will allow that my production methods are perhaps a bit unusual. But I assure you, there is science behind it. It's perfectly safe. Tell them what you do. Well, to be completely honest, I don't fully understand how it works. I, I need to perform a series of tests. It's just that, well, between the goats and the cheese and the market, I simply haven't had the time to... He forces a stick down the throat of an infant goat and, and this wretched, foul-smelling soup. It shoots from the animal's mouth and it lands into a pot of milk. All right, that the very milk used to make the cheese, you all gobble up as if your very lives <laughs> depended on it. Oh, is this true, young Lhasa? Enter the charge, boy! Yes, it's true. Silence! Constable? Your, your holiness, sir. What's the meaning of this commotion? Well, Your Holiness, Master Gun came to me this morning with a rather unusual complaint. Against whom? Uh, the goat herd, Your Holiness. I see. And what is the charge? The practice of the black arts, Your Holiness. I see. What is your name, boy? Lassa, Your Holiness. Tell me, Lassa. Is there any truth to my son's accusations? Yes and no. Explain. Well, sir... It's true that I've done much of what he claims. It's just... Well, I see no harm in my actions. No. I, I, I reject the entire foundation upon which I'm being judged. Silence! Silence! It seems, Lassa, that the townsfolk are not of the same opinion as you. What do you make of that? I make much, Your Holiness. May I speak frankly? I should say so. In fact, I demand it. Well, sir... It's my belief. It's my belief that the opinion of the townsfolk, being as it is born of ignorance, utterly devoid of scientific fact, mired in superstition and fear, that it is my belief that their judgments, opinions, and biases are of absolutely no relevance. I mean, what? Did you all think that the chi just magically appeared every morning, fully formed, hidden beneath the fern leaves by little elves? I see, Lassa of the Gert Herd is an iconoclast, a free thinker, 
constable. Yes, Your Holiness. Take him away. What? Right away, sir. Right away. This is insanity. I mean, you, you can't be serious. I have done nothing wrong. I have done nothing wrong! Hello, rat. What is that you say? <laughs> Indeed. Or what I'd give to be a rat right now. It, it all just seems like an elaborate joke. As if any moment now, Frederick and his brat will pop up from behind the grate and we'll all have a hearty laugh. What's that you say? Highly unlikely. Uh -oh. I'm afraid you might be right. The Ram King used to say, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow will bring its own worries. But what about the worries of today? Oh, mother, you never prepared me for this one. And now your boy is all alone and in a bind. Goat herd! Sir? Back of the cell, palms flat against the wall. Excuse me, but I... I... Turn around. I'll have no guff from the likes of you. Is that understood? Answer me. Yes, sir. He won't be a problem, your holiness. Hello, Larson. You may turn around. Sit, please. Relax. I've been... Looking forward to this meeting for some time, Lassa. Does that surprise you? It does, Your Holiness. Quite so, in fact. And I make it a point to be aware of all the goings-on in the village. But in your case, I've taken a special interest, you see. I, I knew your mother. She was an extraordinary woman. The plague took so many so quickly that one sense of loss was dulled by the sheer enormity of grief. And yet, the death of your mother, this simple peasant goat herd living alone on the side of a mountain with her infant son, well, I'm not ashamed to say, I wept, Lassa. You wept for my mother? Is it so hard for you to believe? Indeed, it is, Your Holiness. We're closer than you could ever imagine, Lassa. What is it? You look as if you'd just seen the devil. I... I suddenly don't feel well, Your Holiness. Not well at all. Well, here, drink this. Better? Yes, thank you. I've had my eye on you for quite some time, Lassa. You're a very sensitive young man, highly attuned to the world around you. You're different from the other villagers. Curious, unbiased, bold. For you, the world is a book is yet to be written, and you wish to be its author. Am I right? I can't say, actually. There's so much I don't understand. 
It seems my survival depends on paying very close attention to what works and then merely repeating those steps. I live alone and the mountain is unforgiving and cruel to those who don't pay attention. To be sure. But you give yourself far too little credit. The goat cheese, for example, your production methods are truly inspired, one might even say ingenious. You really think so? Indeed. The vomit from the kid goat is loaded with a complex enzyme known as rennet. This enzyme reacts with the milk, causing it to coagulate and separate into curds and whey. It's simple, cheap, and effective. As I said, Your Holiness, I understand little of the why and what for. But what really impresses me is the fire. How did you know to heat the milk solution? I would often become ill when I ate the cheese, and, and I discovered, quite by accident, that if I heated the mixture, I didn't get sick. Fire purifies all, Your Holiness. <laughs> The Ram King's golden rule. Again, my dear boy, you look positively haunted. Here, have another nip of schnapps. You know of the Ram King? Of course. Ten feet tall, head of a ram, body of a man, skin covered in blue flames, which burn eternally, but not to consume his flesh, quite the gripping fairy tale, no? Excuse me? I said it's quite the gripping fairy tale. Come now, Lassa. Certainly you figured that out by now, right? Well, I... I well, frankly, no, I... Well, the Ram King is not real, Lassa. He's a fiction, a product of the imagination. Respectfully, Your Holiness, I'm afraid I must disagree. He who would be first must first be last. Love your enemies after the plague. Religion! I made it up, Lassa. All of it. Nearly 16 years ago, when you were just an infant, I bound it up in a neat little narrative and fed it to your mother bit by bit. And like a dutiful mother robin, she puked it back up and fed it to you. But why? Well, that, my dear boy, that is its own riddle. I think... I think I... I think that I, I know the answer to that one. I think so, too. The answer, but not the truth. I beg your pardon? N nothing. Well, I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> I feel somehow, oh, lighter. Does this mean I'm free to go? Oh, heavens no. But you, you said, I mean, I thought. I know what I said, and I meant every word of it. You're a magnificent creature, Lassa, with a brilliant mind, unfettered by the irrational fears and superstitions that bind the other villagers, like so many links of iron chain. But that is precisely what makes you so dangerous. I... I don't understand. You're a free thinker. 
It's the most wonderful thing, isn't it? But the villagers, they can't handle such freedom. Oh, they may think they want to be free, like children they kick in pool at the seemingly irrational rules and the constraints of their father. But give them real freedom. Take them up the mountain to the edge of the forest as the sun is setting and leave them there alone, free at last. And you'll quickly discover how much they prefer the comfort of their chains. But it was you who made me this way. You and the Ram King. I know. I was wrong. Sorry, Lassa. I, I truly am. I, I just cannot risk your spirit infecting the rest of the villagers. I know you understand. What will happen to me now? You're to be burned at the stake at dawn. God! God! Stand up, lasses. Stand up, boy. Now come closer. Closer, yes, that's right, yes. Now hold me, lasser. Hold me tighter. Tighter! Courage, my boy. Courage. Always remember. Fire purifies all. Dead man walking. Dead man walking. This, this can't be happening. It makes no sense. We live in an age of science. We are enlightened people. Executioner, secure the condemned to his post. Are you all just going to stand there while I am murdered? Do something. You know I've done nothing wrong. I'm one of you. The boy is too slight for his change, Your Holiness. He, he slips through like Let water through wicker. Let me go. Use nails. Your Holiness, surely. Nails, Constable. Yes, Your Holiness. Remove his clothes! Help! Somebody help me! Secure the loop for strangulation! No strangulation, Constable. Your Holiness. He will not be strangled prior to burning. But Your Holiness, he's just a boy. He will be burned alive, Constable. But Your Holiness, surely you can't... Do as I say, Constable! Yes, Your Holiness. Executioner! Surround the condemned with wood. He will be burned alive. Calves to face, Constable. Calves to face. And use green wood. But your holiness. I want him to burn slowly. Green wood. Executioner? Green wood. Mother! Mother, save me, mother! Executioner! Light the pile! Save me, mother!
A life don't amount to much, that's for sure. Just look, all that pomp, and the ash wouldn't fill a watering can. No, sir, a life don't amount to much. Don't bother with sweeping, my good lady. The rain will come soon enough and do your chores for you. Good day, your holiness. It does look like rain. It's just... Well, with all due respect, it just seemed to me... Well, ungodly. Letting the poor wretches remain scatter every which way. And fire purifies all. And then the forgiving rains come and... wash it all away. Still, it does chill the blood the way the wind whips the ash about in circles like that. Almost like it was alive. Merely the Lord doing his housework, my good lady. You've such a way with words, Your Holiness. Always so comforting. Still, it is odd. Just look now how the ashes seem to be gathering together. Almost as if a hand were pushing them into a little pile. Ah, and here it is. Here's that rain. The tears of our Lord falling from heaven and ferrying the goat herd's wretched soul to its final resting place. <gasps> Are you all right, my good lady? Forgive me, your holiness. It's just that awful sound. No, it's merely the hiss of Satan's defeat. Your Holiness, do you see what I see? Those ashes there, they're standing up. Just the updraft, my good lady. Beg your pardon? The storm, high pressure meets low pressure. Nothing to trouble your mind about, my child. Run along home now. But your, your Holiness, the ash, it's, it's rising up. It's... It's alive! May God take me! It's alive! For the love of God, it can't be. No, it can not be. You cannot be. This is some trick, smoke and mirrors. I made you up. You're nothing but a fairy tale. You don't exist! You simply don't exist! I look so far as all! And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want! He maketh me to lie down in the pastures! He leadeth me to the water! He restoreth folks. There's just no smoke ram demon creature without fire now, is there? <laughs> and as for poor young Lassa, if only he got the opportunity to open a nice little cheese shop, I'm sure he could have ran it well. <laughs> You have just listened to Ram King, written and directed by Joe Maggio and featuring the voice talents of Owen Campbell, Vincent D'Onofrio, Tobias Campbell, Joel Garland, Bonnie Dennison, 
Brenda Cooney and Larry Fessenden. I'm featuring Natalia Peruz on saw and Dave Agar on cello. Live sound design by John Moros and live foley by Sean Brennan and Glenn McQuaid. Sound recorded by Jeff Seeley. Additional sound design and music provided by Gisela Fulia Silvestre. Tonight's show was performed live at Dixon Place and stage managed by Sarah Jones and produced by Larry Fessenden and Glenn McQuaid for Glass Eye Picks in association with Clay McLeod Chapman of Fear Monitors. Ram King was mastered by John Morris at Digit Audio NYC. Copyright Glass Eye Picks 2013. And that was The Ram King by Joe Maggio uh, on Tales from Beyond the Pale. A uh, huge pleasure to feature them on the show and to talk next with Glenn McQuaid and Larry Fessenden. Now, uh, yeah, like I said, I had the had the pleasure of getting uh, Glenn McQuaid and Larry Fessenden on the line. Um, this was actually done with through the live terrestrial version of Radio Drama Revival. So you've got the live interview in its full and light glory here. Um, it's actually something I've been playing with doing more of since I would like to interview more people and have a hard time finding the time. The terrestrial version of the show is increasingly becoming an interview format. And then you're coming here to the podcast to hear the content. Here's uh, Glenn McQuaid, Larry Fessenden talking about Tales from Beyond the Pale. Uh, today, I have the actual pleasure of welcoming two guests on the line today from New York City. Uh, we've got Larry Fezenden um, and Glenn McQuaid. Uh, both are based in New York City and are into horror. Um, Larry is uh, the director of the art horror films No Telling Habit, Wendingo, The Last Winter, and Beneath, uh, producer of dozens of projects, um, including what you're going to hear uh, us talking about today, Tales from Beyond the Pale, an audio series Created with Mad Irishman Glenn McQuaid, uh, we'll be introducing in a moment. Uh, Larry has had this glass eye picks in New York since '85, uh, supporting individual voices in the arts, and in this audio piece, the slaughtering of innocent children uh, for the arts. Um, we've got Glenn as well, uh, writer director, uh, born and raised in the North Side of Dublin. Um, started out with visual effects for Larry, and has worked on many productions with him. Um, and as I recall it, uh, they sort of got sucked into this crazy idea of doing this audio project, um, sort of driving down a dark and stormy road one night, but I'll, I'll let them say it in their own voices. Uh, Larry, Glenn, welcome to Radio Drum Revival. Hi, Craig. Hey. Yeah, uh, huge pleasure to have you guys. Um, let's start right there. Um, you know, you guys, uh, prior to doing this project, were uh, hugely into, uh, we're, we're doing your own independent horror uh, film pieces, and I've heard the Genesis story in a couple of other interviews you've done, uh, but basically you were driving around and, and listening to radio and, and thought you wanted to, to contribute to the, the darkness that is horror audio drama. I had a kid who was about eight or nine at the time, and I had been listening to uh, radio plays, you know, old Mars Karloff, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, these sorts of things. Some of the old time, you know, we listened to Orson Welles do uh, War of the Worlds, and I was also telling him stories at night and sort of trying to enjoy the oral tradition and uh, just introduce my kid to that kind of storytelling. And uh, Glenn and I were driving upstate to uh, a set, Jim Nichols Stakeland, in fact, and uh, my kid was in the back, so we were playing a radio play, and we just started laughing and saying, this is exactly what glass I think should get into. <laughs> yeah, it was an and old we did. Inner it was an old inner sanctum radio show uh, with Peter Laurie, and uh, we just were enraptured with the story. And on, on top of the idea of uh, tapping into the whole uh, that whole kind of audio 
tradition, thought it might be a, a great way of just also just getting content out there without without having to wait, you know, a couple of years as one does with films to get them off the ground and finance. That we could uh, get this content out a lot sooner. So it's a mix of sort of realizing. You know what? What a wonderful tradition there is out there of audio dramas, and 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 then you know sort of uh, the carrot dangling being God. We could we could get these things out to audiences, you know, pretty pretty quickly. Well, just uh, we also Glenn had just been touring with his uh, movie I Saw the Dead, and had met a lot of uh, filmmakers, and I certainly have worked with a lot of uh, up and coming filmmakers, and we realized wouldn't it be fun to give them a call and ask them if they had a script in the drawer uh, of a movie idea that maybe they hadn't been able to finance. Uh, or uh, just any other sort of idea. So we basically went to filmmakers and said, do you want to try your hand at audio drama? And it was really exciting. The response was immediate. And a lot of people wanted to rise to the challenge. And uh, it was just fun to get into production. Um, and some of them were created in, uh, one of them was created in England. One of them, a couple of them were made in California um, without me and Glenn actually uh, being present, and so then they were delivered to us, and uh, and you know we added the host, and most of the scripts we would go through, you know. Yeah, no, I, I love how. Uh, well, anyways, I, I want to talk more about that. The idea of uh, taking things that, uh, or, or taking the talent from film and, and bringing it to audio drama, because that very much is one a small trend that I'm seeing, as well as I see a, a huge. Uh, potential for the medium that's you know taking talent and and taking and, and finding that phenomenon that with budgets the way they are um, you have a lot of creativity to be had in audio. Um, just real quick though, I'm curious, Glenn. Um, you know, based on being born in, in Dublin, I know you've been in the U.S. for a while, but uh, do you have kind of a cultural heritage of, of having heard uh, a radio drama like on the RTE, for instance? Yeah, uh, and in fact, BBC also. I, I grew up with. Not so much a, of an appreciation, but an awareness of things like the archers and so on. Uh, so definitely uh, radio uh, and, and especially storytelling uh, was a big part of uh, growing up. And that's something I've, I look back on fondly. And, and even with my movie work, I tend to kind of comment on the actual art of storytelling. Uh, and weaving lots of different stories together as well is very is always very important to me. Like the first feature film, I Sell the Dead, could be argued that it's basically an anthology movie with a lot of different stories. So I, I think that was also tremendously exciting for Larry and I uh, to sort of become story gatherers uh, and curators of Tales from Beyond the Tale. And for instance, starting off with the season for even with season one, we're tremendously excited. What's it going to What's it going to look like as a whole when you put these ten individual stories together? It's going to become its own thing. So, as well as the individual stories, I think uh, the seasons themselves uh, there's an art form of, to building and uh, the collections too, which is uh, fun to tap into. Yeah, and and a. Uh... You know, talking about how this all came to be, Larry, you were just touching about, uh, you know, contacting the various writers um, and, and several of these, you guys, uh, you know, uh, you wrote one, Glenn, you wrote one on season one. 
Um, but what you know, when it came to actually putting these together and getting the actors and doing the production, um, how, how did it go? Like, were there were there things that were good about having a film background, or things that you found that uh, you know, how did the skill set translate, and and how did the experience go for you guys? Well, I would say, um, in addition to enjoying you know this anthology element, there's also the craft of of sound work, and uh, all of our movies. Um, we've spent a lot of time and effort on the sound design and the music and creating atmosphere through almost a minimalist amount of uh, visual effects. But then there's this whole component of sound that uh, you'll find in all the glass art picks works. There's that element. And it was just fun to be able to turn the visuals off altogether and, and really concentrate on how much mood in a horror story is, is achieved through the... Uh, the sound design. So it was a fun transition. Um, and then as for, I think Glenn's touched on the fact that we really enjoyed the diversity of storytellers um, and their uh, different subject matters. And that was the kind of thing that we had a number of scripts. We asked people for synopses and, and then we sort of piled them together and said, well, we have a ghost story here. Let's see what are we have a demon child story and let's, let's maybe put one on a boat and a, and a, a fishing trawler. And, and so it was really fun to find that sort of rhythm to the, to the stories and how they're related to each other. And the thing I think that Glenn and I both feel about horror is that it's not so much that your first instinct is to create jump scares or even storylines that are deliberately going to scare the audience. It's a richer environment that we like to draw from of really sort of a dark, perhaps macabre, but let the, let the, the storyteller um, just draw from all the dark arts and, and the horror will come. You know, it's not quite so deliberately after scares. And so there's real diversity there in the, in the stories. I think... Sorry, I was just going to say, I think also coming from film backgrounds, getting into the production on purely, you know, audio, on the, on the purely audio as opposed to visual, uh, in a way it was a real breath of fresh air. I think our my big learning curve was with season one, uh, you know, the first couple that we produced, uh, it was all new. and. Uh, Thankfully, we did those pieces in the relative comfort of, of a, a, stu a sound studio in Manhattan that we like to use, Digit Audio. Um, but as, it's, as, it's, as we get further along with the project, um, the, the, the more uh, kind of gems of realization I discover, like I, I love editing audio now, uh, not having to worry about the visual at all. I love the fact that uh, with pure audio, we can build whatever environment we want. We can take the listener wherever we want to take them, and it's not a budgetary constraint. It's, a, it's a, an imaginative constraint, and all we're asking for from the listener is, you know, just close your eyes, or, well, don't close your eyes if you're driving, <laughs> but, uh, you know, come with us a little bit on the journey, trust us, and, and we'll take you places. I think that's tremendously exciting, and what started off for me as as a way to sort of get, just get other content out there that I, I would have necessarily preferred to have been films, I think I've turned completely around, and I've just fallen in love with the idea of just telling these pure audio dramas, I think it's an art and a real craft to that, that I, 
I, I'm loving sinking my teeth into. Yeah, and I, and I was going to say that the the uh, the breadth of the settings um, is one of the strengths of your collection, as well as kind of the strengths of audio. I think in general is that idea that uh, sure you want to go to uh, you know to the to the the, the 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 you know off the coast of of Gloucester and uh, have this demon leviathan creature done. Uh, you want to, yeah, in, in the piece, uh, the, the Ram King, I hope they play for some listeners, uh, you want to, you know, have this alternate uh, sort of fantasy reality and have, uh, you know, a st- uh, divine, you know, crazy storm effects and uh, burnings at the stake, you know, okay, done. You know, you're, 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 you're given this, this wonderful thing because of the invitation and the contract that you create with the listener um, and, and I, I want to talk about how that applies to horror in general, um, but just some more pr- production stuff. So you, you, you season one, um, there's, you know, they're studio produced, uh, great cast, uh, you know, without going to, you know, uh, you know, really great lineup. Um, you decided to take this bold step. You had done pretty well with, with season one. I, I remember hearing you guys on on point and, uh, making a buzz there. Uh, season two, you do something completely kind of, you know, a little daring and you, you do this before a live audience. Do you, you want to talk about what happened, uh, as you finished season one and as you went into season two that, and, and how that ended up with you guys being on stage? Well, we have a, a mutual friend who has a, an October slot at a performance venue called Dixon Place in Manhattan. And, uh, he was having a kid. And so he realized that, uh, October, was going to be a rough and tumble month for him. And he had uh, interviewed both Glenn and I in, uh, in his show, which is sort of a, a sit-down, almost talk show format in front of a live audience where he chats about various aspects of horror. So we'd been on as guests. And uh, Clay McLeod Chapman uh, was our host. And he asked us, did we want to take over his October shows and uh, maybe do the the radio play live. And I think Glenn and I both just said, absolutely. It's always been on the back of our mind uh, that that would be an approach to doing the show. And it would, uh, would, it would be such a fun, spooky destination for uh, all the denizens of New York City. Um, we were thinking about, I was writing The Crush back then, and we were thinking about the possibilities of, of going live with it. Um, I think we, we we got off in season one on a bit of a high and, and wanted to continue it, but we could never really quite justify the cost that it was going to make. And so it took us a little time to gather our thoughts and uh, on how best to uh, do more of the of these dramas. I think uh, then it all sort of came about with Clay, and I think there's also a, a, an appetite for kind of uh, to go bolder from Larry and I and, and not just rest on what we what we've learned in the studio to actually perform them live just seems very like a very bold choice for us and something that we would benefit from i also think we really wanted to share with the audience the the uh, preposterousness of the foley work the foley as you know is 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 you know, the guy that's making the sounds and presumably he's in a room shuffling about in different kinds of shoes and opening fake doors and rattling cans and clanking bottles together. So we just, I think we both visualize this, how delightful it would be to share that sort of making of experience uh, with an audience. And so I think uh, it just became very intuitive. It was sort of a way of celebrating 
the process that we'd come to love doing the first season and saying, well, let's put all of that up on stage. We had our sound designer um, also on stage sort of triggering different effects that weren't going to be done with the live Foley. And, it, and I remember this movie from my youth about the making of War of the Worlds, and I always loved sort of the, the, the concept of, of doing live radio with the guy doing the little sound effects, and to see that up on stage just seemed uh, delightful. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, you know, just to uh, recap, listeners who are just tuning in, we're talking to two uh, audio drama producers, Larry Fessenden, uh, Glenn McQuaid, their series Tales from Beyond the Pale. Um, 17 stories now um, released, season one, 10 stories in the studio, season two, seven, is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, um, on st- eight, on stage. Um, I have a poor trouble counting. Uh, you, so you, you have a... You know, with the, with the studio format, it's kind of known. You know, you've got the actors around microphones. You've got uh, sound design that you're adding later. You know, music or you know some some combination of those factors. Uh, when you go on stage now, your show has to be produced before you even step up. You've got to have the, the you know you have to have the plan for the foley. You've got to have the plan for the the sound. Um, you've got to be able to do the sound reinforcement for the for the cast, and then you record all this and releasing them as finished production. So there's there's quite a lot going on and quite a lot different than a studio production. And I would wager it's also quite a lot different than what you typically do with, with film. You know, it's it's not, it's sort of more like a stage theater piece. So how, how did that, what was the experience like? Well, I, th- I would say going into it, we were, I was certainly quite naive. And, uh, well, I think it's often best to jump in, just jump into these things if, if I was worried about every aspect of a prior to it. God knows what would have happened. But, you know, there was a naivety going into it. I hadn't done theater in, God, 20 years. So uh, getting into that kind of one-take uh, scenario, it was it ended up being really, really exciting, you know. Uh, I was nerve-wracking. Every week we would put on the show on Tuesday, and every Tuesday I was just you know, quite, quite nervous about how it was all going to go down. And, you know, really, really proud of each night, you know, uh, we were, we were presented with a, a few hurdles, but, you know, w- one thing I remembered about theater is you just got to take the ball and run with whatever's given to you on the night. So, uh, for me, it ended up being a really, really tremendous experience. Uh, just that connection with the audio, we, we definitely just, wanted the audience to feel like they were being invited into the studio. We didn't necessarily play it like it was a theatrical piece. In fact, you know, we would have the director on stage just walking around, you know, it was very much a an informal uh, production and, and we really wanted to emphasize the fact that we were just pulling the curtain back on our process and uh, inviting the audience to into a, into the studio beyond the pale you know so for me it was a really cool experience i can't wait to get back on stage to be honest with you uh, and um yeah and, and did you just do these as as one one takes i mean i mean the, you didn't do like a run for instance of the of these shows no we did we did each one once and uh we if we were lucky we also got to record a rehearsal um but uh, pretty much everything is, yeah, it's all basically the, the take on the night. Now, we were heavily mic'd, so every most actors had their own microphones. Foley had a few of his own 
microphones, as did musicians. And on on a couple of occasions, the audience, there was a microphone aimed at the audience as well to kind of make sure that we got enough uh, raw material to then go in and master these in post. Where... You know, we're in 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 light of of working in in film and and you know seeing what's going on in horror and and um, you know from everything from graphic novels to to real novels uh, to you know animations and and TV. You know, wh- where do you see the place in the in the larger media sort of entities right now? Well, I think one thing we felt early on um, to justify this entire activity is, you know, very often people say, oh, it's an old throwback to uh, to the Orson Welles years. And, you know, um, but the truth is, is that audio books, uh, audio content, um, podcasts and so on, it's actually at a, at a heyday. It's very popular and we felt that there was actually a, a, an audience here to dive into this format and I think we've been proved correct. In fact, uh, Glenn and I always laughed that since we started, a number of uh, legitimate studios and entities have also contributed. Uh, for example, Fangoria Magazine has a, a horror radio show and so does uh, Hammer, the the studio, yeah, from England that we love from the 60s. So everyone's getting into the game. And uh, I can't help saying that, you know, we love graphic novels, video games, all of these different things. But there's no question that audio dramas have their own very special place because of this component of uh, not giving all away, you know, with having this, this mysterious imagination trigger built into the format, which is that there's an element missing um, you know, in the same way that reading still is stimulating no matter how much media and CGI they throw at us. Yeah. I, I also think that uh, the, within the last 10 years, the horror audience have become so big and so well-versed and almost insatiable that there is a crossover from, from the guys that have seen every horror film out there. They're suddenly super intrigued by the possibility of checking out a tale from beyond the tale. You know, we're getting a lot of nice responses from people who just were those horror film kids and they were sort of dabbling in, in other other formats, you know. So I think it's nice that we can uh, cross-platform our, our love for the genre because it really does all stem from a love from it, really. You know, it's not... There's, that's why we're doing this. That's why we make I also... I feel that um, just getting back to the format, this idea of an audio drama, it's just so exciting. People are very sophisticated now in um, you know the movies they watch, the way they experience media. And I think there's something thrilling about uh, assuming their sophistication and running with it. For example, we made, uh, well, my audio drama, Kate, but I was really intrigued with how much uh, I could just do with sound and not even really focus on the dialogue. And that seems counterintuitive, but, you know, and uh, certainly when you mentioned Trawler, that's part of the pleasure of that is is just listening to the ocean and picturing this fish and all the apparatuses that are pulling up nets, you know. So it's really fun. If you listen to the old-time radios, you know, they're very dialogue-driven, and there's the occasional creak, and that's fun. But we really like to paint a portrait, and I'm uh, intrigued with the idea of, of stripping away the dialogue and really making the audience sort of exist in that world and, and sort of take them into that black room, so to speak, which is their mind, and uh, and start painting with, with color. So. Yeah. 
No, fantastic. And and it and you've brought a lot of other great professionals along the ride. I mean, just the the, the cast list you have is quite impressive. Are these uh, film film actors largely, right? Who who you're able to to tantalize and to go into this world beyond the pale? Well, they really enjoy. Uh, you know, look, it's a very short gig. You basically, if we're lucky, we get a rehearsal out of them, and then we get uh, the night of the show, and then they're done, and then. Uh, I think there's a camaraderie, there's an old school, whatever got them into showbiz to begin with was probably this initial instinct of just wanting to be with fellow travelers and, and sort of make believe and and have a fun night out, you know, and in front of an audience and get your jollies off. And I feel like they all, Vincent Tanafrio and Mark Margolis, Ron Perlman, they've all said how much they enjoy just coming in and doing it. It's not for the paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> no. uh, I'm sure it's not, it's not for you as well, but people can hear your shows, uh, talesfrombeyondthepale.com. Um, you've got a Facebook page with all kinds of funny, fun stuff. You've got, you, you're in character on Facebook talking about uh, this voice from beyond. Uh, what what else? Uh, uh, I know on some of the uh, season two, you were uh, making some pitches on film projects, but like what, what any, anything else that's interesting that you guys are working on we should check out? <laughs> Don't believe. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, with the film work, I'm I've got a couple of scripts now that I'm trying to find financing on. Um, but uh, you know, Tales from Beyond the Pale has become a bigger project for me and Larry over the years, and we're intrigued by the possibility of where we can take it. So right now, we're kind of plotting about what, what another season might look like, what would it be like to get back on stage, uh, what, what would the possibility for a, a Tales from Beyond the Pale serial be, you know, so on. You know, the sky's the limit uh, for us in, in our dreams of where we can take Tales from Beyond the Pale. Um, so that's causing the most, you know, uh, excitement and optimism for me right now. And by cereal, Glenn means a breakfast cereal. We really want that's, to That's what I was wondering. Alternative <laughs> products. Like, 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 and, and chocolate, I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking, I'm talking soap opera. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Uh, I, I feel the same way. I mean, look, we're talking about tales right this moment. That's what I'm thrilled and excited by. As soon as I hang up, there may be another project that I have to tend to. There's lots going on at Glass Eye. But honestly, uh, this one has the most you know, expansive vista. I think both Glenn and I feel there's so much opportunity. And what the fun is that it's both our project, he and I, you know, uh, riffing and, and coming up with ideas and approaches to things, but it's also an invitation to a lot of the people we know and work with. Uh, you know, what do you have? Can you contribute? Uh, do you have time to put forth a tale and let's uh, get in the sandbox together? So there's just that it has that nice fluid quality of uh, being a very fertile, creative place to play. No, that's fantastic. Why? Well, I, 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 to me, it's exciting when you when you hear about audio drama uh, snagging people from other media and getting them excited. Because to me, this is what the future of the medium is: is folks who who might still do films as as a big part of their life, but see this as a way to you know produce more content, like you've said. And we have novelists as well, a couple of novelists, Kim Newman and Sarah Langan, and uh, lots of different types. Yeah, there's no shortage of great stories, and there's there's really something unique and special about this format. Um, I look forward to hearing more of what you guys are up to, and I hope our uh, listeners will check you out. Tales from Beyond the Pale, 
uh, Glenn, Larry, uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Thanks, Fred. Yes. Appreciate it. Really great to be on. Thanks for letting the listeners know about our little enterprise. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Glenn, Larry. Tales from Beyond the Pale is at talesfrombeyondthepale.com. They've got all sorts of fun stuff about uh, the talent behind the shows and their their own bios, uh, links, of course, at the audio, as well as other projects they've done. Um, they've got a pretty lively Facebook page as well. Check them out, talesfrombeyondthepale.com. It is horror month, uh, Halloween here, so this is your time to soak up all the gory details. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then, uh, of course, uh, RadioDrumRevival.com has more archives there, um, you know, probably close to 100 hours of audio horror. Um, we picked some of our favorites and stuck them up to the top of our website at RadioDrumRevival.com. Um, follow us on Twitter at RadioDrama, um, RadioDramaRevival.com slash RadioDramaRevival, and of course on Stitcher and iTunes search for Radio Drama. Revival. Um, and that is a wrap for this week. Radio Drum Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drum Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, that is Southern Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com as a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.